Okay. Um, well, like I said before, today we're going to be taking the new members after service, so we're going to go down memory lane together. For some of you guys that have been here a while, these will be reminders of things from the past. Other of you will be new information. But our church has a rich history of a lot of good things. Amen. So our church was founded in, on July 26, 1905, and our charter members were Reverend Hall and his mother, uh, Mrs. Hall, who are the two that are buried in our grave out here in the playground area. So if you wonder who's there, that's Mr. Hall and his mom. I'm not sure where his wife is. I have to ask the family why he's with his mom and not his wife, but anyway, I don't know. But anyway, um, Reverend Hall was a founding pastor and evangelist of our church, so I have a picture of that you guys can put on the screen for me. Also, uh, Robert Burleson and Miss uh, Oral Burleson were also charter members. Dr. Sloop, who was a surgeon who married Mary Martin Sloop, who founded Crossner School Incorporated, also Sloop Hospital that was over there. And other charter members were uh, Marie Mae Phillips, John G. Phillips, Mrs. L. Phillips, and uh, um, okay, Moby, Moby Phillips. Sorry, there was a glare on the screen. Any Phillips, you guys related to any of these Phillips that were charter members? You're not sure? Well, do some, do some history, find out, do your genealogy family tree thing, see if you guys are related. But in April 1908, Reverend Woods became our pastor here, and much evangelistic work happened in the, in the area. A Sunday school began in Buck Hill, Phillips Chapel, Pinola, and while preaching happened in Buck Hill, Walnut Grove, Phillips Chapel, Hughes, Linville Falls, Reverend Woods served as pastor to all. So this is before this actually church was built. They actually met in a little building out in, in the yard called the Blue Bonnet. And um, this Blue Bonnet building, actually when we were digging up, when Preston was here digging up the tree, the stump out there, a few, what, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago, whatever it was, he actually found some of the, either the rock wall or the foundation for this old building when he was digging up this tree. It was some of the rock roots that had grown through it. It was kind of, it's kind of neat. Anyway, the building of this building was a major topic in 1910 in, Mr. in March. Dr. Sloop and Henry Burleson were appointed to be uh, committees, committees to solicit the funds for this construction. In April, T.B. Vance was appointed chairman of the building committee, and by April 1911, the prospects of the building of the new church were found to be encouraging. These are taken from the church history notes. So construction soon began, and we're not sure when it was done. I was talking to Wally this week, and he still doesn't know when this building was finished, but Looks like either 1911, maybe. I don't know how long it took to build it. So we have some pictures to show you. This is the original framing of the church. The, the back section wasn't there. And then that was when it was kind of finished. The landscaping wasn't quite done there yet, but looked a little different than it does today. From 1915 to, 2000, to 1921, excuse me, Plumtree was served by a group of dedicated supply pastors who were also professors at Lees McRae. They include V.H. Starbuck, J.C. Wade, T.C. Guy, and Edgar Tufts. Some of you kids here that went to Cranberry Middle School had Mr. Tufts for your uh, teacher. That was his grandfather, we're talking about here. Uh, we have also the Plumtree School for Boys, was just down the road here by Lucy's house. And a teacher, uh, he, um, Pastor Clapp was a, a teacher there. And uh, let's, see, uh, let's see, I got a picture of that for you. There's Plumtree School for Boys. And then the next one, this one's pretty cool. It's a pretty big building. There's the students all lined up along the deck and on the right side are the teachers. But unfortunately, this building burnt down in 1927. I heard that one of the boys accidentally left the iron on too long and went out to go play and the whole place burnt up. So 
1923, uh, Pastor Clapp was invited to preach monthly at Plumtree. Before that, in 1921, he was invited to be the superintendent of this school for boys, which was connected with Lise McRae. They had the girls way over there, and they had the boys way over here to make sure they were good, I guess. So, <laughs> that was a pretty good distance away for each other, but... Um, then, uh, 1923, we asked Pastor Clapp to preach on a, a weekly basis and for a month, and then he ended up staying for 40 years, okay? So we have a picture of Pastor Clapp for you guys to show you, too. That's him, I believe, and his wife. So Pastor Clapp also preached at other chapels, including Walnut Grove, Powder Mill, Frank, Buck Hill, and Hughes. Later, other chapels were added in Tennessee. These were called, they were called chapels because they weren't official churches yet. We had basically circuit riders or these circuit churches where the pastors were going from here. This was the hub church. They went from here to all these different places to preach. And uh, they included uh, Grace Chapel, Burbank, Lower Tiger Creek, Upper Tiger Creek. I'm not sure where that is, but Rome Mountain also. So all that, yeah. So he's, he's going all over the place to preach. And they didn't have cars. These guys were walking a lot of it. Sometimes they had horses. Pastor Clapp was walking uh, three to five miles a day, sometimes 10 miles a day. Some of the Sunday school teachers were going 10 miles back and forth walking places. So with all these assignments, he preached twice a month at Plum Tree, only once a month at the other nine places. He ended up dropping Powder Mill for a season due to low attendance, but also the close proximity to here. They could travel to here. So Pastor Clapp preached three times every Sunday, except on the fifth Sundays, he, uh, he preached less. So significant improvements were made at this building in 1952, including painting of the outside of the church building, sanding floors, carpets installed, blinds to separate classrooms, and inside painted. The church continued to grow, and in 1960, membership was listed at 136. In 1970, the chapels that had been developed as part of Plum Tree uh, started to become independent. In 1971, Walnut Grove became its own church. And then the last one to become its own church from us was Buck Hill, which happened in 2003 or 2004. I couldn't get the exact date, but somewhere in that time frame. So we were the, the mother church of many churches, not just the five we thought. There was more. There was preaching to nine different churches at one time. And I've been thinking about that. I wonder if God doesn't want us to do that again one day. Um, it's in the original roots and foundation of the church. I wonder if there's not more church plants to come out of this place in different places and have something, I don't know, just something to pray about and think about. Uh, Reverend Adger McKay, a former missionary to Mexico, came to pastor here in 1971-1972. He added greatly to the spiritual growth of the church through the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Reverend Adger McKay was a pastor who introduced the teaching of the baptism of the Holy Spirit here, and we honor him for that, something that totally changed our church was 1971 and 72. That's Adger McKay's father. Uh, unfortunately, after he left Plumtree, he died in Easter 1978. He went to Africa on a missions trip. I believe he got malaria, and he died in 1978. He's still a young man. It's interesting how he went to Africa, and our church is still called to do missions in Africa. I'm not sure where he went in Africa, but uh, that's his, his story. In 1973, the Lord intervened on the plans of a Baptist preacher on his way to Ohio, and Wallace Wise was invited to preach for a month, ended up being here for 20 years. And I have a picture of Wally and Janice for you guys. If you guys didn't have the privilege of knowing these guys, you really missed out. They're some of the finest people you'd ever meet anywhere. Uh, his wife, Janice, became in charge of the music. She conducted several cantatas, provided special music at worship, and singing with Lucy Avery at many services and funerals. Right. So recently, Marshall and I were cleaning out the filing cabinet back there. We just threw a whole bunch of stuff away. We had 
uh, trash bags and cans just full of stuff. And while we're going through it, we found this one file here, and it had the cantata music from back in the day. Even like the tickets, because this church, when Wally and Janice did that, was so full, they couldn't fit everybody in here. So they had to give these little tickets. They still have original tickets in here. Uh, to, this was March 19th, 1993. 90, yeah, I need my glasses on, but I think it says three. But anyway, and uh, they, were, they had to have tickets to come to these cantatas, because they're just so packed out. The, the, the day he wore my crown and other ones like that. There's a picture here of, I'm not sure which one was acting for Jesus in this one. On the cross, the same cross that's out there in the yard. He was in here and have him covered in ketchup or something here. But um, there's a rich history of stuff. And if you want to look through this, there's their, their notes, even some of Wally's handwritten notes, some of Janice's handwritten notes. You might see if some of his grandkids might want some of this stuff too. But we have a really uh, just great history here. There, ha- there are some things that happened here. What? Marshall was the baby in that thing. Okay, that's really cool. That's awesome. So um, before Wally became the pastor here, the attendance had dwindled down. I don't know if it was because of the other churches that got established. I'm not sure why, but it dwindled down to about 50 people. And Wally and Janice and about the, the people used to start having prayer meetings. I remember Wally telling me this himself. And uh, they just had a small group for prayer, and they'd start meeting weekly and weekly, praying God and believing God for increase. Well, in 1978, Evangelist Carlton Pearson, which I'll say his beliefs back then and his beliefs today are not the same, so we don't validate what he believes today, because what I've heard is he believes some cuckoo stuff, cuckoo for cuckoo puff stuff. So anyway, but back then, uh, he was pretty solid from what I heard. So 1978, Evangelist Carlton Pearson, a former associate of Oral Roberts, requested our church to sponsor him in the higher dimension um, team in services in the county. Our church elders voted to do so. Other churches had been asked, but they turned him down. I don't know if this is because of his beliefs or because of his color. He was a man of color. But Wally said, we are aware of the criticism that, that uh, would be directed towards us for this action, but we did it out of rightness and obedience to God. Wally went on to say, we believe that God honored this in our church, and he brought in a large number of young adults from all around the county who joined our fellowship and are still very much active with us today. They filled a needed place in our congregation as we had almost no young adults and no infants. So if you're some of those young adults that joined this church in 1978, you're still here. Can you guys put up your hand? And that was Terry, right? Wasn't Pat and Martha? No? A little bit later? Who else was it? Was it Alex and Robin you guys came around then? Or a little bit later? I don't know who they were, but I know Terry and Debbie were. There were some other ones that came. But it was a big part of our church growth happened as him being obedient to what God asked him to do in a potentially controversial situation. Uh, in 1978, because of the increase, missions also increased. At one point, our church was given 50% of the income, the tithes and offerings to missions. And so missions has always been a big heart place in this church. The addition of the back of the church, the upstairs fellowship hall and the classrooms back there was finished in December 1981. I've been reading a lot of uh, the minutes and notes this week, if you haven't noticed. Um, on May 23, 1982, our church voted 59 to 0 to leave the PCUSA, that's Presbyterian Church of the United States of America, and join the Evangelical Presbyterian Church the following year. Our church believed at that point that we saw them going in a different direction. They were becoming too liberal for our likes. So in the following year, we joined the Presbytery of the um, Evangelical Presbyterian Church, which we're still a part of today. Um, this quote came out of the 
some of you guys have seen the 100 year anniversary red little notebook we had done at the 100 year uh, celebration. This quote came from that. It said, Plum Tree has been growing from a denominational church into a church led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. A church where all people can come and hear the full gospel proclaimed, meet Jesus as Lord, Savior, Healer, and Worker of Miracles. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's really a heart for what our church is all about. Another part of our church history was in 1987, we had the filming of the Winter People here. This was a pretty amazing thing. I know there's some negative feedback happened over that, but I'm going to go into it anyway. You know, there's the good, the bad, and ugly in church life. Everyone's church has some good stuff, bad stuff. This wasn't necessarily so bad, except for Wally was very pressured into doing this decision. But then after, um, after it was over, he got a lot of flack for it, even in the newspaper. And because I found a scrapbook back there, and he had cut out articles from the newspaper where they badmouthed him for letting the church do that and stuff like that. But he was pressured big time to do it. But anyway, um, this movie called The Winter People, starring Kurt Russell. You guys remember him from Disney days way back when? He was a little Mr. Jimmy Bean and some of those guys. Um, Kelly McGinnis from Top Gun and Lloyd Bridges. Star sightings were taking place all around Newland each and every weekend throughout the filming, mostly on Sundays when production was halted. Kelly McGinnis and Lloyd Bridges were seen everywhere, while Kurt Russell, longtime Lady Goldie Hawn, were seen together shopping for crafts. So that's yeah, pretty cool, huh? And all the extras were housed here in our church in between scenes. They were in the fellowship hall, having meals, hanging out here, waiting for their scene uh, to, to be filmed. And that was going on. So I have some pictures of the winter people for you guys. Uh, Go to the first one, unless you already had it on there. Yeah, there's the first one. Kurt and Kelly. There's Kelly with, uh, what did I say, Lloyd Bridges. All right, next one. Oh, go back to the other one for just a second. What's the back one? You see the building behind there? Behind them? That's the shed thing right behind you out the window right there. And even the the fireplace is fake. As you can see, it was a piece of paneling. It has fallen off. All right, so next one. So this is the scene of all the extras in this movie, and there's someone in the, uh, in the room right now who is one of the extras in there. I want to see if anyone can spot this young lady in the crowd. Uh, I'll give you a hint, it's Clara Dixon. Yeah, and uh, you see the old man on the right in the dark suit with the top hat? Clara is standing right above him, right there. Yeah, right there, that's Clara. And if you go to the next picture, you can see her a little, a little better. That's Claire there on the right, too. You were 46 then is what I saw in the newspaper article, Claire. All right, so next one. This is actually another extra from our church. Not a great picture, but the best one I could find. I actually took this clip right from the movie. But that's Gerald Arthur on the left there driving this team of horses. Pretty much all the horse scenes were Gerald's horses. He was in charge of doing all that. So next one. You see some of the views there. They built that little church building across the road from us. It's gone now. And this bell tower thing was there for a long time until it fell down. Next one. All right, another view. You see all the people out there. It's right across the road, like right there. And next one. There's the store going this way. And you see the store's... Course falling down now. The old barbershop's falling down, but that's another picture. They built bridges and different things in there for this for this set. All right, next one, and it's the last one. Do you do you recognize this corner? That's the shed right there. Guess what that other building is there? That's our church. So what they did, this is what what Wally got so much flack for, is they made our church into a 
tobacco shop and a place to store hay and stuff too. And so they, uh, some people that were in the church didn't think we should turn the house of God into something like that. And so that's why he got so much flack. But anyway, part of our history and people come still to this day thinking they stop in the driveway sometimes and ask me, is this where they filmed the winter people? I'm like, yeah, it was right here. So part of our history. Uh, in 1993, um, Wally left, uh, left our here as, as pastor, having had over 60 new members join the church and had a very fruitful life and ministry here at the church. And I think later he actually, I don't know if he ever totally admitted, but thought he left a little bit early. So that's what he felt like. But um, I can't go through every pastor on the list. I will show you a history of some of them on here. Our church pastors, just go through it just briefly. Just for sake of time, I can't go through them all. Uh, next one. There's Mr. Clapp, top left. That was for 40 years. A.P. Dixon, who's that, Clara? Your father-in-law, right? Your father-in-law, right. Lonnie Priest, there's Adger McKay, the one I mentioned. And then Wally. Um, George Callahan, some of the names. Bruce Anderson, some of the ones you guys might recognize. Next one. Reverend Gordon, Wally came back when I came here, and, uh, and there's Adger Jr. who helped for a few years too, which is the, the son of the father that passed away in 78, and then the last one's me. So um, for the sake of time, we're not going to go through them all, even though they all are worthy to mention highlights and stuff, I'm just going to mention a few things here. Pastor Clapp was here 40 years, Wally was here 20 years, and now I'm in third with 17 years and a little bit of time, I can't hardly believe it. Uh, we came here in November 2006, and our, our family moved to Plumtree. Holly was six months pregnant at the time, and Micah was four. Taylor was, he's now 21 today. Um, Jordan was seven, and Taylor was six. So they were just really little. And uh, we were hired as youth pastors here, but we only had two kids. We had two teens. Well, there was a third one, but he never came. But anyway, we had two, two girls in our youth group, and we were hired as youth pastors here. It was a, it was a pretty wild thing, wasn't it, Terry? <laughs> And uh, But somehow, by the grace of God, he worked it all out. Amen. Um, let's see. Uh, Wally came back and preached three times a month. I was preaching once a month and doing youth at the time. In 2007, we took three busloads of teens to, uh, from the community to acquire the fire. This also happened in other years. I think it was 2008, 2006, and further. Uh, Nick was one of those guys. I heard, uh, Joseph, you were one of those guys that went on the trip to acquire the fire. I'm sure Mark and Laura probably went. Um, we had, in 2007, a healing training school here at the church. We are also started having monthly healing services, and we started a youth band, which Marshall was a part of at the time. 2008, we took youth to an event called Awaken the Dawn, and we took the teens on our first trip to Brazil, which totally changed not just Holly and I, but it changed our whole church. Um, what God did in us there, in our team, is just something that's hard to put in words. It really is. In March 2009, we started having uh, monthly 24-hour prayer services, uh, 24-hour prayer nights and days um, leading up to our healing service. So we'd pray for 24 hours straight. People take one-hour shifts. We went around the clock, and then we'd have the healing service following that, those meetings. And God showed up in powerful ways, didn't he? Those who were here, he really did. I'm still hearing testimonies from those. I, I was with somebody a while ago. And they told me a testimony from way back then that he never once ever told me about how he got healed and his friend got healed at a church. I'm like, why didn't you tell me that? Like, I don't know, I just forgot. But uh, 2000, excuse me, 2011, I officially became the pastor here. 2013 and 17, we went to Brazil again. 2014, we started doing Sozo ministry here. 
2017 was the first time I went to Uganda, and 2019, 22, and 23. There's a lot of stuff I could say about what God's done in our church here over the years, but praise God, through the 118 years of church history, we're still here. Amen. The good, the bad, the ugly, we're still here, amen? And uh, we're in a season of growth. We, I looked on the list, there was potentially 34 people that were not members that could join the church if they choose to do so. If they don't, that's great too, but just the fact that we have that many new people is a blessing from the Lord. Just the fact we had seven baptized, seven babies dedicated, children dedicated today, that's a blessing from the Lord. Just like Wally and Janice were praying for back then, they didn't have any infants, they didn't have any young adults. And praise God, we thank you that we do. Amen. Amen. So I mentioned earlier we're going to be taking in new members today after service. Um, having a communication with, think, hopefully everyone, asking if you wanted to join or not. Many of you said yes right away, and many of you had questions. What does this mean? What, is, what does church membership mean? So I want, to, I want to talk about that question today. What does it mean about church membership? Because wasn't, I just wasn't asked one time. It wasn't two times. It was five or six different times. Like, I don't get it. What's church membership about? It's not in the Bible. So one thing we do different here at our church is uh, we don't ever baptize you into church membership because we're baptized into Christ. Okay, so uh, there's no example in the Bible ever that talks about being Baptist in church membership because church membership is not in the Bible. So if you had that in your heart, like, I don't want to become a member because uh, church membership is not in the Bible, you're absolutely right. It is not in the Bible. So I'm not going to try to twist it to make it look like it is or even use some symbolism of this. It's not there. Okay, it isn't there. But there's a lot of things in the Bible that we believe and practice that are not in the Bible. There's a lot of things that are not in the Bible that we believe and practice in church every day and all the time. For example, Sunday school, that's not in the Bible. The word Trinity and rapture, they're not in the Bible. But I'm pretty sure we believe in that, right? Uh, leading a person in a sinner's prayer to receive Christ is not in the Bible one time. Let me, let me pray a prayer with you. Let me lead the sinner's prayer. It's not in the Bible. I'm not saying it's not unbiblical. It's just not in the Bible. The word Bible is not in the Bible. Okay? It's on the cover, but it's not in the Bible. The word Bible just means books. There was 66 books. They put them together. They called it Bible. So just because these words or beliefs uh, are not in the Bible doesn't necessarily mean they're anti-biblical or anti-scriptural, are they? Sunday school is important, right? It's where we help fulfill our mandate of a church of preaching the gospel and training up our children and our other people about the things of God. Trinity, of course, is the teaching of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is clearly taught in the Bible. Uh, the word, English word, the word rapture is not in the Bible, but we can see Enoch was raptured, Elijah was raptured, and there's a future rapture the Bible talks about, a calling up in the air, the saints, those that are in Christ, that still remain when he comes, we raptured up with him. So it's a, it's a biblical principle, but it's not, the word isn't in the Bible, right? And also leading someone to Christ is definitely a good thing to do, right? Even though there's not a sinner's prayer in the Bible. So uh, just because these words are not biblical in the Bible doesn't mean they're anti-biblical beliefs and concepts, are they? It's the same way with church membership. It's not in the Bible, but it's not anti-biblical, is it? It's not anti-biblical. Think about this. Most of you in here are American citizens. Most of you were probably born in the USA, just like Bruce Springsteen sings. Born in the USA, you know. And it's good to be uh, American. It's a good thing uh, to be an American citizen. And uh, since we're Americans, we should perform our civic duty, shouldn't we? Amen. Shouldn't we? I think so, because we get the benefit from living here, and uh, the services provided here in America, we should adhere to the basic responsibilities of voting, obeying laws, paying our taxes, and doing your jury duty. 
I don't know how I keep getting called for jury duty. Holly's been here as long as I have, and, and uh, she's never one. To, I need to talk to someone over there, Teresa or somebody over there. They hey, put Holly's name on the list. Why keep asking me to do it? But anyway, we should do those things, right? Because we're Americans, we should do those things. So let me ask you this. Is voting for a president in the Bible? Voting for a vice president or governors or U.S. representatives in the Bible? No. But is it anti-biblical? No, it's not anti-biblical. It's a good thing to do. It's the one thing we should do to help uh, vote in our elected officials, ones we believe that will best represent our people and best represent the things of God, to help protect our country from evil corruption, right? It's a good thing. Well, do you think the devil is after the church too or just America? Uh, he's after the church too, right? Is he after the church and he's after America? He's after every country in the, in the world because he's after people, right? So just because church membership is not in the Bible doesn't mean it's not an anti-biblical concept. You get what I'm saying? Uh, just because you're born in America doesn't mean you get to vote. You have to actually register to vote. And if you register to vote, then when you come of age, you can vote. It's, and the same thing as church membership. Just because you go to church here, you can go to church here, uh, you have to become a member in order to be able to vote. And it, actually, um, you, but you're still part of the family whether you ever become a member or not. Just like you're still American whether you become, ever register to vote. Hopefully you all will. If you don't, you should. But if you don't, you're still an American. You don't lose your citizenship. And you're not going to lose your place in your family here whether you choose not to become a member or you do or you don't. But I just wanted to say, just because it's not in the Bible doesn't mean it's an anti-biblical thing. It's no more anti-biblical than the church government is. Or government is and church government. It's the same kind of thing. It's how we help protect, uh, protect the things that God's given us. So also... Just like there's expectations on U.S. citizens for doing things in America, there's expectations in the church of what the elders and what we expect you to do when you come here. And that's not just come and show up at church and then leave and, uh, and that's it. We're not looking for pew warmers, seat warmers or whatever. We want people to be, be the church, right? To be the church. So one of the things we expect is church attendance. And I think every pastor will say that. I don't preach this a lot, but I do just need to say it. We design our services with you in mind. We pick out songs. We pick out sermons. We pray over these things with you in mind. What do the people need? What, do the, what will bless them? What will, and we, we really try to do that. And our goal in each worship service is to create an environment, an atmosphere, and an opportunity for you to have an encounter with God. Now, I, we can't make that happen, but we can help uh, facilitate that the best we can by creating that environment where God is, can be worshipped. Amen? Have you ever been in a church before and you felt like, oh man, I can't worship God here. You just felt so stifled, so whatever, that you boxed in like, man, if I lift my hand, they're going to throw me out. They're going to whatever. Well, guess what? Uh, that might be a good thing they threw you out because you find somewhere else so you can actually praise Jesus and give him the glory he deserves. Amen. The Bible does say to lift up your hands in the sanctuary and give him praise. Your pastor or someone else might say not to, but Jesus, God, God said too, so I'm going to listen to, I'm going to listen to God. I'm just saying. Not thinking any pastor in particular. I'm just saying if that's something you're not allowed to do, there's something wrong with that. Um, so it's not enough to know. It's not enough to know there is a God. We all need to have encounters with God. Amen. Moses needed to have an encounter with God, didn't he? Yeah. Abraham did. Uh, Peter and Paul did. Paul had a major one, didn't he? And his life went a totally different direction after that. Yeah. And some of us, I mean, Jesus had encounters with his father, didn't he? Beloved Son, Transfiguration, different baptism. And we all need these encounters. So we're trying to set this atmosphere here where you can have an encounter with God that absolutely changes your life. 
You can hear the word of God preached. You can hear, and that's good. You experience worship. But I'm telling you, there has to be an atmosphere that's uh, conducive to the presence of God and Him touching your life because we need it. We don't even know how much we need it until later. You know, and later, like, man, I, I, God's really changed me a lot. It's kind of like I was saying about 2008 when I went to Brazil. Absolutely changed my life and Holly's life in so many ways. So when we have special meetings, talking about church attendance, community worship nights, healing services, special guests in town, guess what? We want you to be here. We're not just putting uh, advertisements on Facebook for the crowd to come, even though they should come too. We're inviting them. But you should be here because guess why we're doing these services? For you. It's a service for you to help you become closer with God. And so the things we pray about. So I believe it's possible for you to plan your birthday parties around church. I just do. I think you you knew when they were born. I mean, you know their birthday years in advance. That's coming. And we know when these things are on the church calendar too. I think we can plan. I know there's special times, vacations and stuff. We go with family. It's a family church. Don't get me wrong. Uh, But I think we can plan our events around church. Say, hey, guess what? I don't get out of church till 1, 12.30. I can't be there till 2. All right, postpone the party till then. How hard is that? Are you guys okay? Yeah. That's just my opinion. But, you know, Hebrews 10.25 says this, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some, some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So when this was written, guess what? They didn't meet just once a week. They didn't meet once a week. They're meeting daily. And they don't neglect it. Jesus met daily in the temple. I'll show you this in Mark 14, 49. I was daily with you in the temple teaching, and you did not serve me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Seize me. See if you didn't seize me. Uh, Acts 5, 42. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus the Christ. Maybe we're not meeting often enough, I don't know. But when we, we only have, really, we have the Sunday services. And once a month, once a month, once a month, we have a community worship night for you, for, for the Lord, to give him praise and stuff. I think you should be here. All right, I'll move on, but just saying. All right, so um, members are expected church attendance. We also expect you to serve. Volunteering is expected when you come to church. Amen? We have to get past, I'm not worthy. I don't want to hear it anymore. I don't want to hear that. You're worthy because of Christ. Yes. You're worthy because of Christ. You never Don't worry about the feelings. I feel that way. We all feel that way. It's a part of your spiritual warfare to fight those feelings off. But we're still called to serve the Lord and do things for Him, right? Yeah. You think you're going to have to wait until you feel worthy to serve. You're going to never do anything. Right. <laughs> okay? All right, so as believers, we are called... We're not called to, to be served, but to serve. Everyone loves to be served. You know, breakfast in bed, birthdays, all that. they come and give you, oh, yeah, this is great. Guess what? You're not called. You may have some special days like that, but you're not called to live like that. We're called to serve. And we're called, we're called to be like Jesus. We should become more and more like him. If we really want to be like Jesus, guess what? You're going to have to be a servant of people. Amen. That's who he was. That's who he is. He's a servant of people. He said in Mark 10, 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Do you know, he could have made the Roman leaders, Caesar and all those guys, bow down to him, worship him. He's God. He could have done whatever. He he didn't. He didn't do that. He came to serve the people. 
He came for you and me to serve us, to help us, to help us have an, a, a relationship with God. Matthew 23, 11 says this, the greatest among you will be your servant. Think of people in your life you remember that have passed on to be with Jesus. You remember them for a reason because they did something for you. They served you. They met some kind of need. They helped you. Whether it was a family member, mother, father, uh, anyone, a, a teacher. They, did, they mean something to you because you had that bond, that connection through service, through some, doing something kind for you. And guess what? It's our turn now. It's your turn to be that person that touches someone else's life through your serving. 1 Peter 4.10 says this, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Now, I think that says each of you. Do you see that? Each of you means every stinking one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Let's stop making excuses, amen? We're called to serve. Just think what our church could, most churches have that 80-20 principle where 20% of the people do 80% of the work and all that kind of stuff. What would happen if a church really had something that 80-20 the other way? Or maybe 100%. There's something here in this church every one of you can do. It may not be the thing you want to do. (laughs) I started cleaning toilets and stuff. I didn't like that. It was some days I really didn't like it. (laughs) Let me tell you. I won't tell you. (laughs) But anyway, I didn't like it. I remember calling Holly one day like, oh my gosh, I want to quit. If I have to clean one more toilet, I'm not going to make it. But you, you start. Jesus was washing disciples' feet. Cleaning off dung off their feet, dirt, dust. He was low to the ground. He was serving others to benefit them. And you know, we think we come to a church sometimes. I think our goal is to be on stage and on the worship team. And when you, if you come to me and you ask me that question, I'm going to get an instant red flag. Just so you know, I'm just giving you a heads up, because it's very hard to get on a worship team, isn't it? It's very hard because I'm protecting the anointing there. I'm protecting the people there. I'm protecting what God's doing here in his presence. It's gonna, it can't be singing praises to Jesus makes me feel good. So I want to be on the worship team. Right. Ugh, don't, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just, I, oh, help me, Jesus. Um, it is not about us. That's right. Our worship team, what I want is for them to be invisible. It's like they're not even there. Because we're not praising them because they play guitar or drums or keyboard or anything, or they can sing well. We're praising Jesus for our Savior and our Lord. And so they need to be invisible, not like, listen to me sing, I have a beautiful voice. I I grew up in church like that, and it makes me want to gag. I'm just being honest with you. Okay, I'll try to stop, but... um, I'm sorry if you're offended, but we're not a church to have a solo contest. We're not a church to have a clothing contest who has the best clothes and fancy stuff, we're in church to praise Jesus. Amen. And where you wear, whether you're in jeans or a suit and tie, you're welcome to come praise Jesus here. That's right. Amen. Yes. All right, I will move on. I'll be a good boy. So there is something for you guys to do here, because my mom's on here and she's going <laughs> to write me later. Be good, Ryan. Um, <laughs> there's something you can do here. Everyone here has a part to play, just what you saw in that verse. Maybe you've been here and you've noticed some things that aren't quite done right or could be done better. Well, guess what? If you see it that way, you might be part of the solution. You might, God might have let you to see it a certain way. You know, this would be done better if we did it like this or like that. Well, guess what? That might be something God's asking you to do. We have needs. Um, we have needs for volunteers here. We have needs for greeter team. 
Right now, I don't know how this happened, but Joe's doing that pretty much every week by himself. That's not right. Amen? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Amen? Yeah. Don't you think it's important to welcome people to church and be kind with a smile? Have you been to church where they were like, they act like they couldn't care less if you were here or not? <laughs> and guess how many times you went back? Hopefully not at all. If they don't want you there, you probably shouldn't stay. But I think when they walk through the door, they should get a warm, friendly smile. I remember uh, Judge Avery was excellent at that. He, every Sunday, just about, he was there welcoming us, and it was very appreciated. Uh, we need um, a follow-up ministry team to call people back and check in on help call and see how they're doing. We're not here a few weeks. Call and see how you're doing. How's how are things going? I do that, but other people can do that too. You can't. If, sometimes it's from the pastor. Like, well, he's just doing that because he's the pastor. And I do do that for that reason and other reasons too because I do care about them and I don't want him getting mad at me. But, but also because we love the people, you guys can call and check in on them too, can't you? Yep. Yeah. All right. We need have needs in the sound team. We have needs with our sozo team. We have needs in the nursery and junior church, right, Holly? Can I get an amen? amen? All right. We have needs in the parking lot for attendance to help people park better and to park, not park in the wrong places and not park in um, what's in Susie's driveway and stuff like that. Um, we have needs to help organize our fellowship meals so that we make sure we have enough supplies and these things are planned and we have needs for set up and tear down and clean up when we have fellowship meals. There is needs in the playground to help pick up toys, candy, and empty water bottles when they're done drinking them. We have ne- there's needs. There's something that you guys can do. There's other, other ministries here that are not happening we have needs of. Right now, we don't have a youth group. I don't like that. Especially since I came here in 2006 as a youth pastor, Holly and I. Uh, I don't like that. Just how it happened. It was no one's real fault. Just how it went. But I would like to do something about that. Amen? But we need help with that. We also, we don't have, don't have to have this, but another example would be like a food pantry ministry. People need some food. Well, guess what? I can't do all these things. Right. People can give me all these ideas, but God has called each one to use their gift, yeah. individually use their gift to serve people, Amen. to serve people. You'll never feel more, don't do this for this reason, but I'll just say, you'll never feel more fulfilled in your life than when you're serving others. Right. When you feel the lowest of the low is when you're being self-centered and selfish and only focusing on you. Yeah. It's true. When you feel depressed, discouraged, defeated, all those things, because you spend too much time thinking about yourself. Yeah. I'm not talking about chemistry stuff, and just talking about this as a general statement, but uh, there's something for everyone to do here, and uh, it's going to take effort, and you're going to need to get involved. So one more thing we expect, so attendance, serving, and the third one is giving, not only of our time, but also of our money. We can't do what we do without money. So I'm going to talk a little bit about money, not very much. Uh, because I've talked about this before, but Jesus said in Luke 20, 25, he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So what belonged to Caesar? Taxes, right? The government, aka the government. We have to pay them. We don't want to pay them, but we know if we don't, we'll get in trouble. We don't want you to pay what belongs to God because you might get in trouble. We want to pay what belongs to God because if something belongs to God, what belongs to God? The tithe, right? It said, it said here, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, give to God what's God. But I don't want you to give your tithe because you're afraid of getting in trouble. I want you to give your tithe because it belongs to God because you love God, because God loves you. Amen? So, uh, so what belongs to God is the tithe. The Bible never did say to give your tithe. It says to bring your tithe. 
Because the tithe doesn't belong to you, it belongs to God. And God causes that 90%, he blesses it supernaturally, rebukes the devourer, and causes that 90% somehow to last longer than the 100% would have. It's not, it's not basic math. You won't find this in math class, even with the new forms of math they do today. Well, they, they, they won't find it there. But it's God's kingdom economy math. That's right. Amen. It is. So, <laughs> all right. So some people don't think tithing is in the Bible because they don't want people touching their money. They, they see people on TV, think they're money hungry, greedy, blah, 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 blah. Maybe some of them are. I'm not their judge. God is their judge. But clearly he said here, there's something that belongs to God we're supposed to give. And in Matthew 23, 23, Jesus said it's the tithe. Let me show you this. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. If you pay a tithe of mint, arzen, cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith, these you ought to have done without leaving others undone. So what was Jesus saying here? He's saying we should, we should be faithful in matters of justice, mercy, and faith, and of tithing. There's a possibility here, we're going to end here in just a second, there's a possibility that God might know more about money than you do. He might. He says, give, and we give it to you. Press down, shaking together, running over, will men give to you. And the measure that you give will be measured back to you. It's an upside down kingdom. It doesn't work by saving, it works by giving. It doesn't work by hoarding, it works by giving. Amen? I already say more than I plan on saying, so I'll try to stop there, but... As church members, we are expected uh, attendance, we're expected to serve, we're expected to give. So some of you that told me earlier that you wanted to sign up for the church today, you might not want to anymore. <laughs> or some of you that didn't want to, maybe you do now, I don't know. But these are some things that are expected. A few other things I'll mention just briefly that we're expected to grow, we're expected to love, and we're expected to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Get along. All right, get along. Don't start fights. Don't start trouble. Amen. Some people are good at that. And those are people we usually have to ask to leave. Because that's not welcome in our family. Amen. 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 Would they be welcome in your family? If they came to your house, started trouble, wouldn't use, I would say, you got to stop coming here. Every time you come, you start fights. So the Bible says you warn a divisive person once. And after that, what do you do? It says you have nothing to do with them. Now you have to determine what that means to you. But that's just what the word says. God, what does he command the blessing? Where does he, come on guys, know your Bible. Where does he command the blessing? Unity. Unity. So what does he doesn't like? Disunity, disharmony. People that stir up trouble and junk in their churches and their homes. God isn't a fan of that, amen? But where there's unity, how sweet it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, because where? There he commands the blessing. I don't you guys, I want the blessing in my life and in my church, and so we're going to try to keep the peace at all costs, Amen. And sometimes it means giving someone a boot, <laughs> which hasn't happened very much. It's a very, very rare thing. But anyway, you guys okay? Amen. All right. Well, we're going to move into communion. Move this over here. Um, elders, you come and prepare the Lord's table. We don't always go over the whole church history thing, but we had quite a few that we were talking about joining today. So I wanted to just share a little bit of history, a little bit about the church and um, why we do what we do, who we are.